Chalenko, your host for Wisdom at the Crossroads, the podcast. My door is open and I'm excited to invite you into my studio practice. I imagine you coming in to sit down with a beverage in hand, a little morning coffee or an afternoon tea to catch up. But hey, it's five o'clock somewhere, so feel free to come just as you are. I like to think of us as slowing down for a bit to share in the backstories of an artistic life, exploring lessons learned through creativity and inspiration. This invitation to join in on discussions of a visual medium, without the visuals, affords you not only a pause from the busyness of your own day, but also allows you an opportunity to co-create and connect to your own stories through the example of mine. Season 1 began in my archives, while Season 2 will focus a little more in the present. I hope you'll enjoy the stories of my work evolving and share in the wisdom I have found at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Make sure to stay tuned for the short meditation that concludes each episode. I know you'll walk away refreshed and able to simply be more and do a little less. Thanks for stopping in to share some of your valuable time to listen into another studio story. Given that this season is trying to focus on presence, I have reminded myself to introduce you to work that is presently available. So today we'll channel an audience with a pair of 36-inch square canvases. This pair evolved out of the commissioning process and has been out of sight and out of mind resting in a boardroom at my husband's office. We like to call it under the heading of sneaky storage. The client who commissioned this project is a former Winnipegger now living in Ontario. She's been a wonderful advocate for my work and I was very happy to undertake a new project on her behalf. This client has a summer connection to Georgian Bay, which is a beautiful place to connect with if ever you get the chance. Georgian Bay is part of the quintessentially Canadian landscape, made familiar and famous by Canada's group of seven painters and Tom Thompson, who were inspired to explore and define the area during painting excursions in the 1920s and 30s. When my husband and I got married at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, we made our vows surrounded by a dozen or so of these Canadian landscapes. So, technically, I could add my romance with this landscape was consolidated then. Some years ago, our family had an opportunity to accept an invitation to the area, and we too fell in love with this ruggedly beautiful landscape. It really is a magical place. Georgian Bay Islands National Park's website describes it as the world's largest freshwater archipelago, home to boat access native preserve, situated where the windswept white pines and granite shores of the Canadian Shield turn to dense, deciduous woodland. They don't mention that around every corner is yet another glorious vignette of bunkhouse or boathouse, tethered to, perched precariously upon, or nestled cosily amongst, rocky outcroppings and an oasis of wind-sculpted trees. Our journey to our host's cottage began at Honey Harbour, and yes, that is its actual name. It was late in the day when we arrived, so the boat leg of our journey turned into a magical sunset ride to Blueberry Island. And no, I'm not making up that idyllic name either. Seriously, there is little wonder this rugged terrain inspired venturers and artists alike. My little elf camera at the time almost wore itself out before the weekend even began. On arrival at the island, our family of four were thrilled to discover we would be staying in a little orange bunkhouse. The bunkie straddled a slick curve of granite, 
It was nestled among white pine and was just out of earshot from the main cabin, which was perfect in case our rambunctious family got a bit too loud for our generous hosts. Thank you, Kevin and Eileen. Our family still smiles at the memory of time spent on your island paradise. At home after that family trip, I painted a series of smalls, which were fun and spontaneous memories of an iconic landscape drenched in summer sunshine and shaped by the elements. In hindsight, I am really glad I worked on that early series when the visual memories were fresh. As a side note, I should share that despite my best efforts to be organised with my database of imagery, I was pretty upset with myself when my camera card collection, stowed for safekeeping in the pocket of my camera's cover, somehow found itself tumbling aggressively around in the jaws of the carburetor. I seriously wish I was making this tidbit up. The new commission I was working on brought memories of that lovely weekend back into focus, and I was excited to get started on this new project. The subject catered to a landscape my client was familiar with and also took me back to my own memories and experiences with this landscape, despite that unfortunate kitchen kerfuffle. The choices I make for surface and sizes can be deliberate. They can depend on availability, of course, and also on the client's needs. I was glad my client chose a 36-inch square for this project. The square is a shape I return to often. Jumping between shapes and scales can be disruptive, so it was comfortable to be continuing with the rhythm of a consistent shape I had already been working with. It was the end of my usual paint period, so getting this project started took me out to the less familiar paint wall of the bunkhouse at our own cottage in the early part of last summer. My Lake Winnipeg view provides a vastly different landscape to the Canadian shield of northern Ontario, but I did have a water view and time on my hands, so the process was all about play. To begin with, I focused on the shapes and structures of evergreen trees and began building some depth of colour with simple washy marks. I was also experimenting in the bunkhouse at that time, playing with ways to record short videos of my work in progress. It might have been kind of funny to witness if you had wandered by and walked into the door of the bunkie during that little experiment. I am all the staff I have in my Mandart studio practice, so without a second or third set of hands, I was getting creative stacking, propping, and even taping my iPhone to chair legs, beer pong tables, and windowsills. The video mandate included a clear directive. I didn't really want to appear on camera. Instead, I wanted to try to illustrate the process of the work evolving. I've posted a couple of reels, but some actual training might be an idea. Note to self, despite Kathy Heller's encouragement, don't give up your day job, manned. The videos aren't great, but they do give a sense of the brush at work, pushing acrylic paint into the primed canvas. I'll try to add one to the show notes in the blog, but if not, just know that I usually try to cover the whole surface to begin with. In this case, I wandered from that tendency by adding layers of colour based originally on elements in the subject. Layers of colour, like moments of memory, added up, and as I added more fresh canvases to the paint wall, the project turned into a trio of three three-foot squares. I was reminded why I prefer to experience a landscape and take my own photographs for visual reference, if at all possible. My client's snapshot was taken in poor light and without any notes, or my own contextual reference, it was difficult to read. Thankfully, I have a very talented techie daughter who works some Photoshop magic to bring out the details for me, 
which allowed me to get a clearer sense of the location. In the end, this project ended up as a testament to Canadians and their pure and loving attachment to place, particularly the summer landscapes that support and inspire generations of family interactions. I usually restrict myself to a pair of options for a commissioned project, but in this case, adding the third, you can probably guess I was having fun with my walk down memory lane. The painting that moved out to that lovely Georgian Bay landscape to take up residence amongst those windswept pines and precariously perched bunkhouses was the one that more closely reflected my client's lake experience. The remaining pair, audience and channel, moved onto the back of my cottage for the wave weekend events after their sibling moved out east. One of the questions they inspired there was how long does it take to paint a painting? And I have to admit, I don't have a consistent answer to that very common question. I tend to work in periods. At the beginning of a painting period, the first works start out a bit rusty. I'm a bit tentative with the marks I make as I get reacquainted with the rhythm of the process. I like to compare a painting period to a runner training for a marathon. At the beginning, it's a bit of a grind until you develop a rhythm, but once the runner gets through some training and is closer to game day form, the movements are easier and more fluid. As I get into a painting rhythm, I get more confident with the way I handle materials. I loosen up and get more expressive in the way I apply the paint and also less judgmental about what I'm seeing evolve on the paint wall. Less gets to really be more. In the case of these three Georgian Bay paintings, the work in progress spent some time at the cottage in the bunkhouse during the beginning of the summer, but they also trekked into the city to hang out at the studio on the paint wall where they were finished. During that block of time I was in summer mode at the lake and in between I was finishing a few other pieces. It's hard to attribute a specific period of time to any one painting. Instead, we could probably say they were part of a body of work that evolved over the early summer of 2021. Spending time on the paint wall in either location lends a consistency of choices that apply to several works painted during the same time period. They might not have been painted as a triptych or diptych, but they do tend to end up as cousins because they evolved out of a particular time period together or shared a common subject, such as audience and channel. Those two are definitely cousins and could in a pinch work as a complementary pair or could even be hung together as their subject flows in a neighbourly way. Among this pair, Audience was the firstborn. Her presence on the paint wall invited Channel into the equation and both pieces returned at one stage or other to the inspiration gathered on the route from Honey Harbour to Blueberry Island on Georgian Bay. They have been listed as favourites by many wave visitors, but so far have remained as visitors themselves at my husband's office in the Zoom room. Note, I did not say they went to a boom-boom room. They reflect paradise, but did not star in Bachelor in Paradise. In the Zoom room, they make a compelling Canadian audience to legal trials in real time, where they have inspired others to travel to this magical landscape, hypothetically during COVID-19 restrictions. Meet them in the show notes or on the blog at www.mandart.ca. Our meditation practice is a way for us to pause and to connect to the deepest part of ourselves 
In this installment of our evolving process, I wanted to share a little gratitude. The simple courtesy of saying thank you is something we do often and automatically. We have manners and are trained to give thanks for small repetitive actions. We also can give thanks for larger, more impactful things like weekend visits to someone else's summer home in the Canadian wilderness. This type of gratitude is appreciated yet external. In today's practice, I'd like to bring that gratitude home by directing it inward to ourselves. You are probably familiar with the stewardess on a plane instructing us to adjust our own oxygen masks before assisting others. We'll use this same idea to fill our own cups before we can be of service to the world around us. So let's find a cosy place to relax and settle in. You can be seated or reclined. Find whatever is comfortable for you in this moment. In a Pilates class recently, I found it a really comfortable ending to our class to drape my legs over the seat of a chair while my body was reclined on a yoga mat. You might like to add a rolled blanket or a shallow pillow behind your head to avoid overextending neck muscles. I think you'll like the position if you decide to try it. I'm visual, so in preparation for this practice, I'd like to draw in some self-administered Reiki to visualize the perimeter of our body protected by a soft, furry membrane. When I feel disheveled, this outer layer might look a little sasquatchy and give off a bit of a bedhead vibe. But settling into any meditative practice can begin with a visual taming of those virtual fibres. I like to imagine those fibres that frame the outer edges of the body as being combed or groomed. The process is as simple as taking a virtual scan from the top of the head to the feet and all the way in between and imagining the domino effect of the virtual fibres aligning and relaxing as you apply the attention. Now that your body is settled in, notice the breath following your natural rhythms. Our body is an intelligent organic machine full of sophisticated structures. I like to think of the many cellular pathways within our body as illuminating in silvered rivulets as I focus on my breath and direct my attention within. I breathe in and invite the light inside. I breathe out and release what no longer serves. As I apply my intention to this process, I imagine the silvered rivulets flowing through my body to reach even the smallest systems within the extremities. If I continue to focus, I can almost sense the light as it flows. So continue to breathe in your natural rhythm as you imagine this silvered light flowing through the systems in your body. Apply an extra focused breath to any areas you feel resistance and watch the visualized barrier soften and release and allow the light energy to flow. Our body is a supercomputer that works tirelessly behind the scenes, powering our lives. Our choices, our dreams and desires are made possible because our physical body leads the way. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow within you. In this practice, we'll get to experience the addition of lightness and ease to areas where we might hold tension, and I'll invite you to notice any areas of resistance that may have formed at the site of an injury to settle and relax. 
So let's begin to invite that light to focus on the heart space with gratitude. I'm grateful for the rhythm my heart beats in every moment of every day. Thank you for powering my cells, for oxygenating my blood, for giving me life. The heart beats and I am grateful for the work it does to furnish the needs of my body. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light flowing freely within. Invite that light to focus on the lungs as you offer your lungs gratitude. Thank you, lungs, for providing the mechanisms for the involuntary action of the breath for continually refilling ourselves with refreshment and nourishment and air. I am grateful for the work you do to furnish the needs of my body. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to visualize and encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow freely within. Invite that light now to bathe the shoulders, and as you do, offer your shoulders gratitude. Thank you, shoulders, for your strength and support. Thank you for allowing us to shoulder the weight of our choices, or find or provide a shoulder to lean on when necessary. I am grateful for the work you do to furnish the needs of my body. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow freely within. Invite that light to focus on the arms, and as you do, offer your arms gratitude. Thank you, arms, for your strength for the gift of the embrace, for the ability to hug and to connect. I am grateful. Breathe in and out. In and out. And continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow freely within. Invite that light now to focus on the hands. And as you do, offer your hands gratitude. Thank your hands for their dexterity and fine motor skills. Thank them for the ability to create, to write, to gather and to hold. Thank you for the ability to open our palms to receive and also for the ability to give. I am grateful. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow freely within. Invite that light to focus on the hips. Offer your hips some gratitude too. We can thank the hips for establishing our foundation 
for distributing the weight of our bodies to our feet and our legs, for helping to balance us as we navigate our physical world. Thank you. To our feet, we'll now send our focus, and with our breath, we'll encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow freely within. Thank your feet for the gift of motion, for the ability to dance, skip, play, for keeping us grounded and connected to the earth. As you breathe in and out in your regular and natural breath cycles, continue to encourage that silvered rivulet of light to flow. Invite that light to focus on the needs and as you do, offer your knees gratitude. With this practice, I choose acceptance over judgment. I thank the knees for the gift of flexibility, for helping to absorb the bumps and bruises the world delivers along our path. I thank you for the lessons in patience and courage you share with me. I am grateful. As our breath flows and fills our bodies with energy, nourishment and light, let's place our focus on the broader ideas of kindness, acceptance, as we offer our gratitude for all the large and small things our bodies do. Our physical gratitude practice would not be complete without acknowledging our motherboard, the brain that furnishes our lives with cognitive abilities knowledge, creativity. Thank you. I am grateful. Lastly, let's direct our attention to the eyes, the window to the soul. Let's be grateful for the beauty and wonder that exists around us and the experiences we are afforded because our bodies are nourished with energy and light. We give our thanks for the ability to see and be seen. As we near the end of this meditative interaction, I'd like to invite you to direct your focus back to the breath where this practice began. I'd like to finish off by sharing my gratitude with you for this time we allow ourselves, for the ability to make the choice to prioritize our time and energy, and to direct that energy in a moment of self-care toward ourselves. I am grateful for this time well spent on a meditative journey I have taken with you. I offer you my gratitude for being part of this community. I am very grateful. Namaste. for joining me in this practice. Time is precious, and I am very grateful you have chosen to spend some of your valuable time with me. I hope you feel refreshed after our pause together. If you're able to, I'd recommend spending a little extra time on yourself right now. 
Meditation helps me to feel refreshed on all levels. In fact, I'm often surprised at the depth of my focus moving forward into the rest of my day. Your imagination is a gift, and I love that you get to co-create mentally along with me. But if you would like to see the visuals I discuss in the episode, you can catch the show notes and images in the blog on my website, mandart.ca, which is a whole lot simpler than trying to spell my name, Anchalenko. If you have enjoyed the invitation to take a little break and found something that resonated for you, please feel free to share this opportunity with a friend or to write a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd be very grateful for your contribution. So, until we meet again on a Tuesday, may you find your own wisdom at the crossroads, where action and presence meet. Bye now.